It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think it's in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and it talks about, actually, Jesus is saying, go out and be the light of the world to his disciples. And I suppose just as we've spoken about Andrew going out to Kenya, he's going to be the light of Jesus to people out there who've maybe never heard about Jesus before. I just think that's, that's really exciting. And it's a, it's a nice little introduction as well into what I'm going to talk about today. So this is the third in our little mini I Am series where we're talking about Jesus. Uh, we're talking very specifically about, uh, there are seven I Am statements throughout the Gospel of John that Jesus makes. And over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at two of them. We had Patrick looking at I Am The Way, The Truth and The Life. Last week, Mike spoke about the resurrection and the life. And today, we're going to look at Jesus's I am the light of the world statement. And it's interesting, in the Gospel of John, it was, he wrote it in the latter years of his life. And John had known Jesus. He'd, uh, it was around towards the end of the first century. John had been one of Jesus's disciples. He'd obviously been intimately involved with Jesus throughout his life. And he hadn't stopped in those latter years telling people about Jesus. And so John's 70, 60 or 70 years old when he's come to write this. All of the other Gospels by this point in time had been written. So John instead focuses on something a bit different to Matthew, Mark and Luke. And instead of focusing so much on the eyewitness accounts, on the parables and on the miracles, he focuses much more on Jesus. And hence, that's why I think we see uh, the, the I am statements in various chapters throughout John. The, um, you can see on the slide, prism. It's interesting, I think Mike actually referenced this last week, that the number seven just appears quite a few times in the Bible. Now I expect it's a coincidence, but I thought I'd mention it anyway, that as light shines through a prism, it breaks out into seven different colors. And so today, one of the things I want to look at is just what are those, all right, I want to pick up on seven specific characteristics of light. I want to help us reflect on what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world. And also just reflect on perhaps the joy and the freedom that this can mean for us and the implications also that it's got on the choices that we need to make as a result. So can you turn to John chapter 8, verse 12, for those of you who've got your Bibles. Now, we're going to read from verse 12 until verse 30. But before we do, let me just give you a bit of uh, a word of warning, perhaps. So, we all got to choose, myself, Patrick, and Mike, which I am statements we wanted to talk on. So I thought, I'll choose I am the light. You know, I know the verse, um, something I can uh, really relate to throughout my life. And so, I picked up my Bible, and I read verse 12 which is pretty much the classic verse that that everyone knows about. Jesus says, uh, I'm the light of the world. Whoever believes in me or whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Brilliant. I got on to verse 13 and read through to verse 30, and my heart sank. I got to the end of it and thought, oh, no, what have I let myself in for? And I, I just, to be honest, I didn't really understand what Jesus was saying. He's in this big debate with the Pharisees, and he goes from, I am the light of the world, to this kind of in-depth theological argument that he's having with people who are incredibly learned in Jewish law. And to be honest, this week's been a real lesson in, I think, reading God's word and dwelling on it and saying to God, God, I don't know what you want me to say on Sunday. And 
I, so I've actually just been really encouraged as part of that process. And as we read the Bible and we meditate on it and we pray about it, how God can draw different things out. So I just wanted to encourage you in that. But from verse 13 onwards, as we see, we, we, or as we're going to see, we've got this great legal and theological argument drawing on Jewish law, Jewish culture. And I don't want you to think that those verses are a tangent to what Jesus has said when he says, I am the light of the world. He's making actually a consistent point throughout those verses. And it's my job and my prayer this morning just to hopefully unpack it um, so that God can speak to all of us through them. So let's just read what John writes. So starting in verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself, since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So I wanted to set a bit of context for you. So we've got a temple on the screen here. And when Jesus is saying this, it's the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sakkad, which I've probably pronounced incorrectly, but it's a seven-day festival that uh, the Jews still celebrate today, once a year. It commemorates the 40 years that are depicted in the book of Exodus, when the Israelites were going through the desert, uh, and they were led by both a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. And And God was guiding them to the promised land. So, you can imagine almost that you're at this temple in Jerusalem. And during the feast, what they would do, and you can just about make it out, that four lampstands are set up, one in each corner of the courtyard of the temple. But these lampstands, they're covered in gold, but they're 20 meters high. So they're absolutely enormous. And on top of each candlestick, a golden bowl 
was placed and the ladder was leaned against it and a little trainee priest right at the beginning would scramble up 20 meters up that ladder, pour seven and a half gallons of oil into the bowl on top of each candlestick. And then the more senior priests would, somewhat unusually, get their old underwear, which presumably is clean, and they would put it on top of the oil, basically as the wick, and they would light those candles. And you can imagine, when you've got seven and a half gallons of oil on 20-meter-high candlesticks, that's going to create an enormous amount of light. And the Israelites did this, the Jews did this, right at the beginning of this seven-day feast. And it kicked off just a massive time of celebration, of music, of dancing. And it was said that there was no courtyard in Jerusalem that was not lit up with the light on that night. And also, before we get to chapter 8 and the verses where, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world, if you read about some of the events in chapter 7, it's quite interesting, as it puts Jesus at the, this Feast of Tabernacles. But it says he attends anonymously. He's kind of stepped back into the background. But if you read that chapter as well, you get a real sense of the conversation that's going to be buzzing all around him. And people are talking about him, about the miracles that he's performed and the controversy that he's causing. And after a few days have passed, the festival, still obviously in full swing, Jesus stands up in the temple court, presumably surrounded by these enormous flaming candlesticks, and he preaches to the crowds. And for many, the rumors that they've heard start becoming a reality. And actually, it says throughout chapter 7 that many believed in him as Jesus spoke and believed in his claims that he was the Son of God. But the chief priests and the Pharisees repeatedly, they try and muscle through the crowds and they try and arrest him. But each time, it says that they fail. The atmosphere must have been electric standing in that courtyard. Then we get to chapter 8. Jesus is still in the temple area and he chooses this moment. And we think it's probably the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The Israelites, they've been joyously celebrating God's providence and their remainder of his, and the reminder of his light and the columns of fire each, in each corner get extinguished. And it's at that point that Jesus stands up and claims that he is the light of the world. If you're going to pick any moment to make such a bold statement, that's quite a good time to choose. So one of the things that I just wanted to look at today is what does it mean for Jesus to be the light of the world? And talking about light often conjures up uh, a world of contrast, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's light versus darkness. It's day versus night, good versus evil. And many of you know that one of my personal um, hobbies is photography. I love taking photos. But through that journey, I suppose, through me picking up photography, I've developed a completely new appreciation for light. And it's amazing what um, you get this appreciation as well for how amazing the, the eye is, because I'm sure many of you have taken a photo, and it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. And you get, look at the photo afterwards, and it just does not remotely capture the image that you've got in your brain. The this, I suppose, perception of light that we've got. You can also take the extreme, and I'm sure many of you have been in a show cave where you're deep underground, and just for a moment, they flick off the lights, and you're plunged into total darkness. No matter how long you stay there, your eyes can't adjust because there is no light to take in. 
no long exposure on a camera is going to capture anything. But there are very few places where you'll experience total darkness. So as we look at, I suppose, how incredible our eyes really are, they can, they can pick up just like a tiny flicker of light, whether it's a, a candle in a room that's actually casting its light across all of the walls, or it's the stars that's illuminating the landscape. A small amount of light can make a massive difference. And through photography, I've learned to really appreciate light and how it can bring life to a subject. And I think because of, uh, I suppose, where the Jews were at, because of the... I suppose, the physical festival of light that they were celebrating, and also the, the culture of, uh, and what they were being reminded about the pillar of fire. They've got this appreciation for light as well, as Jesus stood up and made this bold statement. So the seven characteristics of light that we're going to just flick through quite quickly, I'm going to link to various biblical references. Um, I just want to draw out, really, from a biblical perspective, what does it mean for Jesus to be the light of the world? I'll go through this quite quickly, but I'll call out the, the Bible references if you want to follow. Please do. So we've got the creation story in Genesis 1. And this is obviously all about light. It's got a source. We've got the sun. And light brings life to the world. And in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. So light's got a source. Light brings life. Things are light reveals truth, and light sets us free. As we can see, I've got a couple of verses from Isaiah. And Isaiah says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And Isaiah then goes to talk about the, uh, the prophecy of Jesus being born. And later in Isaiah 42, he says, Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. So I think there we've just got the aspects, haven't we, of, of light where it's showing the reality of the world, but also it's releasing us from the prisons that we might be within. Psalm 27, verse 1, talks about being afraid, but also the fact that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So light can take away fear. Light's also victorious. John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then the last characteristic of light that I want to talk about is that light shows the way. And just a couple of verses to reference. Exodus chapter 13, 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. In Psalm 109, verse 105, says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
We're going to look at these in a bit more detail and try and apply it, perhaps, to, to our daily lives. But first, I just want to bring us back to that theological debate that Jesus was having with the Pharisees. And to do that, I just want to pick up, actually, on, on four key things that Jesus says in that discussion. I think these things, these four statements, help underpin a lot of what I'm going to talk about. So in verse 14, this is back in John 8, Jesus says, I know where I came from and where I am going. In verse 15, he says, I stand with the Father who sent me. Verse 19 says, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. And in verse 23, it says, if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Now, as I was reading about some of this, uh, there's an article written by John Piper, who's a renowned theologian, and he summarized kind of the whole overarching narrative of this chapter as Jesus comes from the Father, speaks for the Father, and is going to the Father. And so I think just as part of that, we see that Jesus, as the light of the world, points us to God, God the Father, through him and in him, for him. But he also makes it very clear, as Patrick spoke a couple of weeks ago, when uh, he covered Jesus' I am the way statement, that there is only one way, and the consequences of taking Jesus' way is eternal life. But the consequence of taking any other way is to die in our sins. So I'm going to take these seven characteristics, and for each one, I want us to ask, if Jesus is the light of the world, what does that characteristic mean for us? I think there are some questions that we need to ask ourselves, that we need to pray about, and that we need to respond to. So, if we look at light as a source, I think John chapter 1 captures this absolutely brilliantly. And so I'm going to read this one. Um, so follow, follow through with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So John takes us right back to the creation in Genesis, where God created the sun to give daylight to the, to the earth. But he then makes a set of bold additional claims. He says in verse 1 that the word was with God. Now, in the original Greek that this was written in, that word for word is logos. And that was used by the Greeks to try and capture kind of the divine reason behind the creation of the earth. In verse 4 and 5, we see that in this force, in this reason behind life, that actually there was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Then we get to verse 9, and he says that this light is the true light. And the light that was present during the creation of the universe was actually physically coming into the world, which is a clear reference, isn't it, to, to Jesus Christ. I think just as we can't ignore the sun... It's by far the biggest object in our solar system. It's got such a massive impact both on us and the universe that if Jesus is a spiritual source of light to the world, can we really afford to ignore him? 
We also talk about light bringing life. It's a, it's a natural extension of light, to, uh, sorry, of light having a source, for that light to bring life. John makes that really explicit in verse 3, as we've just, said, just read. Through him, all things were made. And we see it all around us. We see, don't we, um, there's a seasonally affected disorder where, interestingly, in countries that are sort of higher north, they've got fewer hours, or significantly fewer hours of daylight. And uh, many more, or much higher rates of, of suicide, of mental health difficulties. Sunlight's got a physical impact on our brains and, and our emotions. Equally, our bodies use sunlight to generate vitamin D. And without that, we get incredibly sick. But I think more importantly, light's one of the building blocks of life. You know, without lights, um, or light kind of drives through the photosynthesis process within plants. And if you don't have that light, the plant dies, and then we've got nothing to eat, and we die. Without light, life on Earth would cease to exist. So I'd like to ask yourselves, do you want to experience the fullness of life that Jesus promises? We also had uh, the third one, light reveals truth. And we read about how uh, light can open the eyes of the blind. And it shows us, or that light can show us the true state of things, can't it? The true state of things that actually, spiritually, without Jesus' light, we wouldn't see as they really are. And we've also got God's word as a timeless truth to help us navigate that process. And I think despite having more information at our fingertips than we ever have had before, I, don't, oh, I believe that at no other time in history probably has knowing the truth been harder than it is today. We hear regularly, don't we, about sort of fake news. We hear about uh, social media and how it can combine what the internet knows about our preferences with others' political agendas to give us a twisted view, perhaps, of the world that we're looking at and the news that we're reading of. And you take the political state of our country talk about Brexit, and you've got election manifestos all throughout the news, you've got fact-checking organisations, and you've got organisations that claim to be fact-checking organisations, and where do you start with all of that? How do you filter out the truth? And distilling that truth is becoming harder and harder, isn't it? I'd say it's becoming virtually impossible, in some many cases, to know the real answers, to separate out the fact from the fiction, to tell the truth from the lies. And all these things is so important to be wise about what we read and how we read the news and what we read. But how can the light of the world help with all of this? Well, I would say that faith, informed by the truth in the Bible, through discussion, prayer with others in the church, that gives us a real good framework, a lens, if you like, that we could look through. It doesn't give us all of the answers, but it does give us a perspective that we can and that we should apply to all situations. God's given us our brains. He's given us others in the church who are fortunately far wiser than, than me. Uh, and he gives us the truth in his word to use as our camera lens effectively to look at the world around us. We've also got light sets us free. Life takes away fear and light is victorious. I'm going to group all of these together because we've spoken about G uh, Jesus' light revealing the truth. Jesus and his light can also reveal things in our lives, uh, things perhaps in the shadows. But do you know what? We don't need to be afraid of them. Jesus can take away our fear 
of those. He can set us free from them because he's been victorious. I'd recommend that you listen to Mike's sermon from last week. He spoke about the the resurrection and Jesus uh, and the life that that can give. But also he mentioned about, I suppose, a transformative joy and new life that came through Jesus' death and then his resurrection and how he sends the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Because you see, when you've got Jesus as your stronghold, you don't need to be afraid and you don't need to hide away from darkness. It can be dispelled by the light of Jesus. You can be released by things inside you, perhaps things in your past, by a light that's more powerful than any darkness. We can take real strength in knowing that Jesus' light, as we've read, cannot be overcome. And I know that it's all too easy, isn't it, to feel overwhelmed by life. We might be scared of the future. We might be scared of the present, or perhaps things in our past. But there's a real truth here that we need to hold on to. God's word says that the darkness will not overcome the light. And equally, if Jesus has been victorious over death, then Jesus can be victorious over the darkness that might be in our lives. Now for the last one, light shows the way. I just wanted to show you this picture, which when I showed this to Reuben earlier, and he said, what on earth is that? Is that a catapult? I realized it might not be as obvious as I thought it was. Um, but actually, this is a, it's a Christmas tree. Oh, sorry, it's a set of Christmas tree lights wrapped around a tree in a jungle. And earlier this week, I, I was listening to a TED talk, actually, by a guy called Jose Sokolov, and he tells a really compelling story. And I just want to share a very brief snapshot of it. And he, he kicks off this story by saying, in my lifetime, I've never lived one day of peace in my country. And he talks of the Civil War in Colombia, of the government army versus the guerrilla troops hiding out in the jungle, and where tens of thousands of locals have left their families to go and fight with the guerrillas. And the the human cost of this war over a span of 50 years has been huge. I think something like a quarter of a million people have died, and over seven million people have been displaced from their homes and their villages. But a team working with the government created an initiative to try and encourage the guerrillas to come out of the jungle and to come home. And one of the things that they did, out of a whole range of initiatives, was they put Christmas tree lights wrapped around the jungle. Sorry, wrapped around the trees in the jungle. And these guerrillas who are camped out hiding in the jungle, they saw these lights. Not surprisingly, thinking, what on earth is that? They headed towards them, and they read the message that was placed underneath them. And that message simply said, if Christmas can come to the jungle, you can come home. And over the course of this initiative uh, and kind of all of the others that they put into place, I think about 17,000 guerrillas came out of the jungle and came home, putting down their guns and uh, contributing to a subsequent peace. It's a theme that we see in the Bible several times, and I think it's a concept we can all relate to. We've touched on earlier in the worship where people are naturally drawn by light. Patrick spoke in his uh, sermon about with Jesus' I am the way being the only way. And you either go Jesus' way or you don't. And from John chapter 8, we see that just as the gorillas were drawn out of the jungle by Christmas tree lights, or you can take the star of Bethlehem guiding the wise men, or you've got the pillar of fire guiding the Israelites to the promised land, Jesus is the light that can show us how to step out of our darkness. So how do we do that? 
Well, I'd summarize it by just saying we've got a choice. And Jesus is really clear in what we've read in chapter 8, that whatever our choice, there is a consequence. But also, at the very end of those verses that we read, in verse 30, it said, As Jesus spoke, many put their faith in him. And just imagine, perhaps, as those temple lights were extinguished, plunging the temple court into complete darkness, and perhaps as the crowd kind of blink a little bit and their eyes slowly adjust to the ambient light that's there in the courtyard, Jesus stands up and declares that he's the light of the world. And the crowds there obviously had a choice. Did they believe in Jesus? Well, they didn't. I think it's fascinating that actually at that moment, many chose to believe. So I wanted to put to you today that, well, if Jesus is the light of the world, then his light is fundamental to our lives and to everything that we do. And it's not just a belief, it's not just a pattern of living, it's not just a moral code. Jesus makes it pretty black and white, doesn't he? In his discussion with the Pharisees, you believe in me or you're dead in your sins. That decision seems pretty stark, but it comes down to the need to consider whether you believe in Jesus and his claims are true and whether his light is worthwhile having. I wanted to give you my personal answer to that question. As Kate will tell you, I'm quite a detailed person. I don't like leaving things to chance. We've got a bit of a running joke on our house that whilst I make lists of things to do, Kate gets on and does them. So I'm not convinced it's entirely true, but it keeps getting mentioned. It, uh, I think it stems from uh, a natural desire uh, across all of us that we want to be in control of things, that we all approach trying to get that control in different ways, but we don't like it. We get desperately uncomfortable when things spiral out of control or things happen that we don't have any influence over. And whilst I like to control whatever I can, I've had to come to the acceptance there are many things that are out of my control. You know, whether it's relationships, whether it's health, whether it's work, no matter my best intentions, things happen outside of my control. Friends have moved away, uh, illness has taken away loved ones, uh, sickness itself has caused problems in our lives, that's got potential to massively impact uh, us. But Jesus as a light, and remember light is a real constant, isn't it, in our universe, uh, is something that I've just continually been drawn to and continually held on to. And I found that my faith in Jesus and knowing that he is the light of the world has perhaps helped take away that fear of, and discomfort of knowing that things are out there that are beyond my control. It's given me a sense of purpose that I didn't have before. I think it's also given me a confidence and a, a, a real solid foundation that actually nothing can take that away. So if you want to make that choice today, or perhaps recommit to a choice that you've made in the past, that Jesus is the way, if you want to step out perhaps of a, a darkness that's holding you back and follow the light, it would be great to pray with you at the end of the service. If you want to chat about some of the things I've spoken about today, come and grab me afterwards or chat with somebody that you came with. But also, I think there's a couple of key messages for those that have made that decision already, have made that choice that Jesus is the light. And I think the first part of that is how much are you letting God's word be the lamp for your feet? The psalmist in, uh, that we read says, his word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. We have to hold on to Jesus' teaching. 
We've got to absorb it at every opportunity we have. I think not reading God's word is a bit like having a torch that you just never turn on. You can't see the path if you don't turn on the torch. And so I'd encourage you, pick up your Bible and read it. And the other challenge that I'd set you is how much are you letting his light shine fully in your lives? Do you feel perhaps that the candle that was burning strongly is getting to the end of its wick? Maybe it's starting to flicker. The areas in your life that you'd rather keep hidden. Perhaps you'd prefer the shadows to stay there. And perhaps right now your heart's beating a little bit faster as God's speaking to you. And if there's something that you want to deal with, can I just encourage you to deal with it today, whether that's coming up to be prayed or prepared for, uh, or in your life group. Because the overriding thing I want to leave you with is we've got to know that Jesus is victorious. We believe in a God who's full of grace, and he brings life. We see a God who reveals truth, but he's a God that sets us free, takes away fear. He's defeated death, and his light shows the way. So perhaps if the band could come up, um, I'm just going to pray to close. I think one of the things I'd like us to dwell on is across all of those sources of light, the characteristics of light that we've spoken about, all of the possible choices and decisions that we've got to make. I think we're all at different places in our lives, aren't we? And I'd just like you to focus on whichever one stood out for you the most. Just as we go into this song, perhaps pray into that. Let's focus on the words as well that we're going to sing. There'll be a time for prayer. Um, So if you would like prayer for anything, it would be lovely to pray for you. So please come over here in the corner. I think later on as well, just a reminder, Andrew's going to be uh, down here as well. And it'd be great to support him in prayer as he he, uh, follows what it says in Matthew chapter 5. And he goes to be a light to others as well. So Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you are the light of the world. And I thank you just for the strength that we can take from that. The fact that darkness can't be overcome. Sorry, (laughs) light. Yeah, darkness can't overcome light, Father. I just thank you that that light is so strong, that you're a stronghold that can remove our fear. We can have complete trust and confidence in you, even when things around us are out of our control. And so, Father, I just pray for each one of us now where you're speaking to us. Just help that light reveal the truth that you want us to hear. Help that light just lead us to where you want us to be, Jesus. And also, I pray you'll give us the courage to take those steps along that path, whatever that path looks like, Jesus, for each one of us. Yeah, in your name. Amen.